when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord James. Stately clump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Cersei, episode four. Read by Adam Biles, Ben Brown, Heather Hartley, Octavia Horgan and Kate Poston. With Linda Fallon as Leopold Bloom and Lex Paulson as the narrator. Lynch. Let him alone, he's back from Paris. Zoe runs to Stephen and links him. Oh, go on, give us some parlez-vous. Stephen claps hat on head and leaps over the fireplace, where he stands with shrugged shoulders, finny hands outspread, a painted smile on his face. Lynch, pummeling on the sofa. Stephen gabbles with marionette jerks. Thousand places of entertainment to expense with your evenings with lovely ladies, sailing gloves and other things. Perhaps her heart, beer chops, perfect fashionable house, very eccentric, where lots of cots, beautiful dress, much about princesses, like a dancing can-can and walking their Parisian clowneries. Extra foolish for bachelors, foreigners the same, if talking a poor English how much smart they are on things, love and sensations voluptuous. Mr's very select F for his pleasure must have visited heaven and hell show with mortuary candles and they tear silver with chukur every night. Perfectly shocking, terrific of religious things, mockery seen in universal world. All chic women's which arrive full of modesty, the disrobed squeal out to see vampire man, debauching and very fresh young with des sutres blancs. He clacks his tongue loudly. Ho oh, la la ce pif qu'il a. Lynch. Vive le vampire. The whores. Stephen grimacing with head back, laughs loudly, clapping himself. Ah, great success of laughing. Angels, much prostitutes like and holy apostles, big damn ruffians. Demi Monden, nicely had some sparkling of diamonds, very amiable costumed. Or do you have the better what belongs a modern's pleasure, turpitude of old man's? He points about him with grotesque gestures, with Lynch and the horrors reply to. Calchuk statue woman reversible, or life-size Tompin Tom's virgin's nudities, very lesbian. The kiss five times... Tie ten times. Enter gentlemen to see in mirrors, every position, trapezes, all that machines. There besides, also if desire, act awfully bestial. Butcher's boy pollutes in warm veal liver or omelette on the belly. Pièce de Shakespeare. Bella, clapping her belly, sinks back on the sofa with a shout of laughter. An omelette on the... Omelette on the... Stephen, mincingly. I love you, sir, darling. Speak you Englishman tongue for double entente cordiale. Oh, yes, mon Dieu. How much cost? Waterloo, water closet. He sees suddenly and holds up a forefinger. Bella laughing. Omelette. The whore is laughing. Encore! Encore! Mark me. I dreamt of a watermelon. Go abroad and love a foreign lady. Across the world for a wife. Dreams go right from cherry. Stephen extending his arms. It was here. Street of Harlots in Serpentine Avenue, Beelzebub, showed me her a fubsy widow. Where's the red carpet spread? Bloom approaching Stephen. Look. No, I, I flew, my foes beneath me, and ever shall be, world without end. He cries. Peter, free. I say, look. Break my spirit, will he? Oh, murder, Lord. He cries, his vulture talons sharpened. Hola, hilly ho. Simon Dedalus's voice hillows in answer, somewhat sleepy but ready. That's all right. He swoops uncertainly through the air, wheeling, uttering cries of heartening on strong, ponderous buzzard wings. Oh, boy. Are you going to win? Whoop, shut, stable with those half casts. Would have led them within the ball of an ass. Head up! Keep our flag flying. An eagle wolves volant in a field ardent displayed. 
Ulster King at Arms. Hi, whoop! He makes the beagle's call, giving tongue. The frowns and spaces of the wallpaper file rapidly across country. A stout fox, drawn from covert brush pointed, having buried his grandmother, runs swift for the open bright-eyed, seeking badger earth under the leaves. The pack of staghounds follows, nose to the ground, sniffing their quarry, beagle baying, burbling to be blooded. Ward Union huntsmen and huntswomen live with them, hot for a kill. From Six Mile Point, Flathouse, Nine Mile Stone, follow the foot people with knotty sticks, salmon gaffs, lassos, flockmasters with stock whips, bear baiters with tom-toms, toreadors with bull swords, gray negroes waving torches, the crowd balls of dicers, crown and anchor players, thimble riggers, broadsmen, crows and touts, horse bookies, and high wizard hats clamor deafeningly. The crowd. Carly Reese, Jessica! Tell me on the clay, tell me on the clay! Try your luck, I'm spinning Jenny! Ten to one, bar one. Sell the monkey, boys! Sell the monkey! Okay, ten to one, bar one. A dark horse, riderless, bolts like a phantom, past the winning post, his mane moon-foaming, his eyeballs stars. The field follows, a bunch of bucking mounts, skeleton horses, scepter, Maximum the second, Zinfandel, the Duke of Westminster's Shotover, Repulse, the Duke of Beaufort's Ceylon, Prix de Paris, Dwarfs ride them, rusty armored, leaping, leaping in their saddles. Last, in a drizzle of rain, on a broken-winded Isabel nag, cock of the north, the favorite, honey cap, green jacket, orange sleeves, Garrett D.C. up, gripping the reins, a hockey stick at the ready. His nag, stumbling on white-gaitered feet, jogs along the rocky road. The orange lodges, jeering. Get down and push, mister. Last lap, you'll be home tonight. Garrett D.C., Bolt upright, his nail-scraped face plastered with postage stamps, brandishes his hockey stick, his blue eyes flashing in the prism of the chandelier as his mount lopes by in a schooling gallop. Provias Rector! A yoke of buckets leopards all over him in his rearing nag, a torrent of mutton broth with dancing coins of carrots, barley, onions, turnips, potatoes. The green lodges. Soft days are done! Soft day, your honor! Private car, private Compton, and Sissy Caffrey pass beneath the windows, singing in discord. Stephen. Hark! Our friend, noise in the street! Zoe holds up her hand. Stop! Private Carr, Private Compton, and Sissy Caffrey. Yet I the sort of Yorkshire radish for. Zoe. That's me! She claps her hands. Dance! Dance! She runs to the pianola. Who has twopence? Who? Lynch, handing her coins. Here. Stephen, cracking his fingers impatiently. Quick! Quick! Where's my orgas rod? He runs to the piano and takes his ash plant, beating his foot in tripudium. Zoe turns the drum handle. There! She drops two pennies in the slot. Gold, pink, and violet lights start forth. The drum turns purring in low hesitation waltz. Professor Goodwin, in a bow-nutting periwig and court dress, wearing a stained Inverness cape, bent in two from incredible age, totters across the room, his hands fluttering. He sits tinily on the piano stool and lifts and beats Handel's stick of arms on the keyboard, nodding with damsel's grace, his bow knot bobbing. Zoe twirls around herself, heel-tapping. Dance. Anybody here for there? Who dance? The pianola with changing lights plays in waltz time the prelude to My Girl's a Yorkshire Girl. Stephen throws his ash plant on the table and seizes Zoe around the waist. Flory and Bella push the table towards the fireplace. Stephen, arming Zoe with exaggerated grace, begins to waltz her around the room. Her sleeve, falling from gracing arms, reveals a white flesh flower of vaccination. Bloom stands aside. 
Between the curtains, Professor Magini inserts a leg on the toe point of which spins a silk hat. With a deft kick, he sends it spinning to his crown and jaunty-headed skates in. He wears a slate frock coat with claret silk lapels, a gorget of cream tulle, a green low-cut waistcoat, stock collar with white kerchief, tight lavender trousers, patent pumps and canary gloves. In his buttonhole is a dahlia. He twirls in reverse directions a, a clouded cane and wedges it tight in his oxter. He places a hand limply on his breastbone, bows, and fondles his flower and buttons. Magini. The poetry of motion, art of calisthenics, no connection with Madame Legendbaum's or Levinson's. Fancy dress falls arranged. Deportment, the Katie Lanner steps. So, watch me, my Terpsichorean abilities. He minuets forward three paces on tripping B's feet. Tout le monde en avant, révérence. Tout le monde en place. The prelude ceases. Professor Goodwin, beating vague arms, shrivels, shrinks, his live cape falling about the stool. The air, in firmer waltz time, pounds. Stephen and Zoe circle freely. The lights change, glow, fade, gold, rose, violet. The pianola. Two young fellows were talking about their girls, 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 sweethearts they left behind. From a corner, the morning hours run out, gold-haired, slim, and girlish blue, wasp-waisted, with innocent hands. Nimbly they dance, twirling their skipping ropes. The hours of noon follow in amber gold. Laughing, linked, high hair combs flashing, they catch the sun in mocking mirrors, lifting their arms. Magini clip-claps glove-silent hands. Carré, un deux, breathe evenly. The morning and noon hours waltz in their places, turning, advancing to each other, shaping their curves, bowing vis-a-vis. Cavaliers behind them arch and suspend their arms, with hands descending to, touching, rising from their shoulders. Hours. You may touch my... Cavaliers. May I touch your... Oh, but lightly. Oh, Oh, so lightly. My little shy little lass has a waist. Zoe and Stephen turn boldly with looser swing. The twilight hours advance from long land shadows, dispersed, lagging, languid eyes, their cheeks delicate with cypria and false faint bloom. They are in grey gauze with dark bat sleeves that flutter in the land breeze. Magini. The night hours steal to the last place. Morning, noon, and twilight hours retreat before them. They are masked with daggered hair and bracelets of dull bells. Weary, they churchy-kerchy under veils. The bracelets. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Zoe, twisting her hand to her brow. Oh! Magini. Les tiroirs, chaîne de dames, la corbeille, do à Arabesking wearily, they weave a pattern on the floor, weaving, unweaving, curtsying, twisting, simply swirling. Zoe. Oh, I'm giddy. She frees herself, droops on a chair. Stephen seizes Flory and turns with her. Magini. Twining, receding, and with interchanging hands, the night hours link, each with arching arms and a mosaic of movements. Stephen and Flory turn cumbrously. Magini. Dansez avec vos dames, changez de dame, donnez les petites bouteilles à votre dame, remerciez. The pianola. Best, best of all, baraboom. Kitty jumps up. Oh, they played that on the hobby horses at the Mirrors Bazaar. She runs to Stephen. He leaves Flory brusquely and seizes Kitty. A screaming bittern's harsh high whistle shrieks. Grown grouse gurgling toffs, cumbersome whirligig, turns slowly, the room right round about the room. The pianola. My girl's a Yorkshire girl. Zoe. Yorkshire through and through. 
Come on, all. She seizes Flory and waltzes her. Stephen. Pastel! He wheels Kitty into Lynch's arms, snatches up his ash plant from the table, and takes the floor. All wheel, whirl, waltz, twirl, bloom, bella, Kitty, Lynch, Flory, Zoe, Jujube women, Stephen with hat, ash plant, frog splits, and middle high kicks with sky kicking mouth, shut hand, clasp, part under thigh, with clang, tinkle, boom, hammer, tally ho, horn blower, blue, green, yellow flashes, toffs, cumbersome terms, with hobby horse riders from gilded snakes, dangled bowels, fandango, leaping, spurn, soil foot, and fall again, the pianola. Oh, she's a factory lass, she wears no fancy clothes. Close clutched swift swifter with glare blare flail, scudding these scoot scoot loot slumbering by. Better boom, tutti. Simon, think of your mother's people. Stephen, dance of death. Bang, fresh barang, bang of lackey's bell, horse, nag, steer, piglings, conmeon, on Chris's lame, crutch and leg, sailor and cockboat, arm folded, rope pulling, hitching, stamp hornpipe through and through. Badabum! On nags, hogs, bell horses, gadarene swine, corny and coffin, steel shark, stone, one handled Nelson, two trickies, frauenzima, plum stained from pram, falling ball and gum, he's a champion, fuse blue. Peer from barrel, reeve even song, love on hackney jaunt, blazes, blind, cod-doubled bicyclers, dilly with snow cake, no fancy clothes. Then in last whiswitch back, lumbering up and down, bump, mash tub, sort of viceroy and wren, relish for tub lumber, bumpshire rose, bada bum. The couples fall inside. Stephen whirls giddily. Room whirls back, eyes closed, he totters, red rails fly spacewards, stars all around, suns turn roundabout, bright midges dance on the wall. He stops dead. Oh! Stephen's mother, emaciated, rises stark through the floor, in leper gray with a wreath of faded orange blossoms and a torn bridal veil, her face worn and noseless, green with grave mold. Her hair is scant and lank. She fixes her blue-circled hollow eye sockets on Stephen and opens her toothless mouth, uttering a silent word. A choir of virgins and confessors sing voicelessly. The choir. Liliata utilantium te confessorum, jubilantium te wiginum. From the top of a tower, Buck Mulligan, in party-colored jester's dress of puce and yellow and clown's cap with curling bell, stands gaping at her, a smoking buttered split scone in his hand. She's beastly dead. The pity of it. Mulligan meets the afflicted mother. He upturns his eyes. Mercurial Malachi. The mother, with a subtle smile of death's madness. I was once the beautiful May Golding. I am dead. Stephen, horror-struck. Lima, who are you? What bogeyman's trick is this? Buck Mulligan shakes his curling cap bell. The mockery of it. Kinch killed her dog's body bitch body. She kicked the bucket. Tears of molten butter fall from his eyes onto the scone. Our great sweet mother, epi oinopabontum. The mother comes nearer, breathing upon him softly her breath of wetted ashes. All must go through it, Stephen. More women than men in the world. You too. Time will come. Stephen, choking with fright, remorse, and horror. They, they said I killed you, mother. He offended your memory. Cancer did it, not I. Destiny. The mother, a green rill of bile trickling from the side of her mouth. You sang that song to me. Love's bitter mystery. Stephen, eagerly. Tell me the word, mother. If you know now, the word known to all men. Who saved you the night you jumped into the train at Darkie with Paddy Lee? 
Who had pity for you when you were sad among the strangers? Prayer is all-powerful. Prayer for the suffering souls in the Ursuline Manual and 40 days indulgence. Repent, Stephen. The ghoul, hyena. I pray for you in my other world. Get Dilly to make you that boiled rice every night for your brain work. Years and years I loved you, oh my son, my firstborn, when you lay in my womb. Zoe, fanning herself with a great fan. I'm melting. Flory points to Stephen. Look, he's white. Bloom goes to the window to open it more. Kitty. The mother with smoldering eyes. Repent! Oh, the fire of hell! Stephen panting. The corpse chewer! Raw head and bloody bones! The mother, her face drawing near and nearer, sending out an ashen breath. Beware! She raises her blackened, withered right arm slowly towards Stephen's breast with outstretched fingers. Beware, God's hand! A green crab with malignant red eyes sticks deep its grinning claws in Stephen's heart. Stephen strangled with rage. Shite! His features grow drawn and grey and old. Bloom at the window. What? Ah, non, par exemple. The intellectual imagination. With me all or not at all. Non serviam. Flory. Give him some cold water. Wait. She rushes out. The mother wrings her hands slowly, moaning desperately. O sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on him. Save him from hell, O divine sacred heart. No, no, no. Break my spirit, all of you, if you can. I'll bring you all to heal. The mother, in the agony of her death rattle. Have mercy on Stephen, Lord, for my sake. Inexpressible was my anguish when expiring with love, grief, and agony on Mount Calvary. Stephen. No, thumb! He lifts his ash plant high with both hands and smashes the chandelier. Time's livid final flame leaps, and in the following darkness, ruin of all space, shattered glass, and toppling masonry. The gas jet. Profound! Bloom. Stop! Lynch rushes forward and, Ste- and seizes Stephen's hand. Here, hold on, don't run amok. Bella. Police! Stephen, abandoning his ash plant, his, his head and arms thrown back stark, beats the ground and flees from the room past the horrors of the door. Bella screams. After him! The two horrors rush to the hall doors. Lynch and Kitty and Zoe stampede from the room. They talk excitedly. Bloom follows, returns. The horrors jam in the doorway, pointing. there! Zoe pointing. There, there's something up. Bella. Who pays for the lamp? She seizes Bloom's coattail. There, you were with him. The lamp's broken. Bloom rushes to the hall, rushes back. What lamp woman? A whore. He tore his cake. Bella, her eyes hard with anger and cupidity, points. Who's to pay for that? Ten shillings, you're a witness. Bloom snatches up Stephen's ash plant. Me? Ten shillings? Haven't you lifted enough of him? Didn't he? Bella, loudly. Here, none of your tall talk. This isn't a brothel, a ten shilling house. Bloom, his hand under the lamp pulls the chain. Pulling, the gas jet lights up a crushed mauve purple shade. He raises the ash plant. Only the chimney's broken. Here is all he... Bella shrinks back and screams. Jesus, don't! Bloom warding off a blow. To show you how he hit the paper. There's not a sixpence worth of damage done. Ten shillings! Flory, with a glass of water, enters. Where is he? Do you want me to call the police? Oh, I know. Bulldog on the premises. But he's a Trinity student. Patrons of your establishment. Gentlemen that pay the rent. He makes a Masonic sign. Know what I mean? Nephew of the vice-chancellor? You don't want a scandal. Bella, angrily. Trinity, coming down here, ragging after the boat races and paying nothing. Are you my commander here? Where is he? I'll charge him. Disgrace him, I will. She shouts. Zoe! Zoe! Bloom, urgently. And if it were your own son in Oxford? Warningly. I know. Bella, almost speechless. Who are you in cog? Zoe, in the doorway. There's a row on. Bloom. What? Where? He throws a shilling on the table and shouts. That's for the chimney! Where? 
I need mountain air. He hurries out through the hall, the whores point. Flory follows, spilling water from her tilted tumbler. On the doorstep, all the whores, clustered, talk volubly, pointing to the right where the fog has cleared off. From the left arrives a jingling hackney car. It slows to in front of the house. Bloom, at the hall door, perceives Corny Kelleher, who is about to dismount from the car with two silent lechers. He averts his face. Bella, from within the hall, urges on her whores. They blow, icky, licky, sticky, yum-yum kisses. Corny Kelleher replies with a ghostly, lewd smile. The silent lecherers turn to pay the jarthy. Zoe and Kitty still point bright. Bloom, parting them swiftly, draws his caliph's hood and poncho and hurries down the steps with sideways face. Incog Haroon al-Rashid. He flits behind the silent lecherers and hastens on by the railings with fleet step of a pard, strewing the drag behind him, torn envelopes drenched in aniseed. The ash plant marks his stride. A pack of bloodhounds, led by Hornblower of Trinity, brandishing a dog whip and tallyho cap and an old pair of grey trousers, follows from far, picking up the scent, nearer, baying, panting, at fault, breaking away, throwing their tongues, biting his heels, leaping at his tail. He walks, runs, zigzags, gallops, lugs laid back. He is pelted with gravel, cabbage dumps, biscuit boxes, eggs, potatoes, dead codfish, whipping slipper slappers. After him, fresh found, the hue and cry zigzag gallops in hot pursuit of follow my leader. Sixty-five C. 66C Night Watch, John Henry Menton, Wisdom Healy, V.B. Dillon, Counselor Nanetti, Alexander Keyes, Larry O'Rourke, Joe Cuff, Mrs. O'Dowd, Pisser Burke, The Nameless One, Mrs. Reardon, The Citizen, Gary Owen, What Do You Call Him, Strange Face, Fellow That's Like, Solemn Before, Chapwit, Chris Callanan, Sir Charles Cameron, Benjamin Dollard, Lenahan, Bartell Darcy, Joe Hines, Red Murray, Editor Braden, T.M. Healy, Mr. Justice Fitzgibbon, John Howard Parnell, the Reverend Tin Salmon, Professor Jolie, Mrs. Breen, Dennis Breen, Theodore Purifoy, Mina Purifoy, The Westland Row postmistress, C.P. McCoy, friend of lions, Happy Hollihan, man in the street, other man in the street, football boots, pug nose driver, rich Protestant lady, Davy Byrne, Miss Ellen and Miss Guinness, Mrs. Joe Gallagher, Lord George Lidwell, Jimmy Henry on corn, Superintendent Laracy, Father Cowley, Crafton out of the Collector's Generals, Dan Dawson, Dental Surgeon Bloom with tweezers, Mrs. Bob Doran, Mrs. Kennefick, Mrs. Wisenolan, John Wisenolan, handsome married woman rubbed against from behind in Clockstream, the bookseller's sweets of sin, Mrs. Dubat and she died and she did bedad, Miss Madams Gerald and Stanislas Moran of Roebuck, the managing clerk of Drummies, Colonel Hayes, Messiansky, Citron, Penrose, Aaron Fagatner, Moses Herzog, Michael Garrity, Inspector Troy, Mrs. Galbraith, the convincer off of Eccles Street Corner, old Dr. Brady with stethoscope, the mystery man on the beach, a retriever, Mrs. Miriam Dendrade, and all her lovers. The hue and cry, Helter Skelter, Pelter Welter. At the corner of Beaver Street, beneath the scaffolding, Bloom panting stops on the fringe of the noisy quarreling knot. A knot, lot, knot, knowing a jot. What high, high, row and wrangle round the who hat brawl altogether. Stephen, with elaborate gestures, breathing deeply and slowly. You are my guests, the uninvited, by virtue of the fifth of George and seventh of Edward. History to blame, fable by mothers of memory. Private car. To Sissy Caffrey. Was he insulting you? Stephen. Addressed an invocative feminine. Probably neuter. Ungenitive. Voices. No, he didn't. The girl's telling lies. He was in Mrs. Cohen's. What's that? Soldiers and civilians. Sissy Caffrey. I was in company with the soldiers and they left me to to do, you know, and, and the young man ran up behind me. But I'm faithful to the man that's treating me, though. Uh, though I'm only a shilling whore. Stephen. Catch a sight of Kitty's and Lynch's heads. Hail, Sisyphus. He points to himself and the other. Poetic. Neo-poetic. Voices. She's faithful, the man. Sissy Caffrey. Yes, to, to go with him, and me with a soldier friend. Private Compton. Don't half want a thick ear, the blighter. 
Live in one, Harry. Private car to Sissy. Was he insulting you while me and him was having a piss? Lord Tennyson, in Union Jack Blazer, and cricket flannels, bareheaded, flowing bearded. There's not a reason why. Private Compton. Biff and Harry. Stephen to Private Compton. I don't know your name, but you are quite right. Dr. Swift says one man in armour will be ten men in their shirts. Shirt is synecdoche. Part for the whole. Sissy Caffrey to the crowd. No, I, w- I was with the private. Stephen, amiably. Why not? The bold soldier boy. In my opinion, every lady, for example. Private Carr, his hap awry, advancing to Stephen. Say, how will it be, Governor, if I was to bash in your jaw? Stephen looks up in the sky. How? Very unpleasant. Noble art of self-pretense. Personally, I detest action. He waves his hand. Hand hurts me slightly. Enfin, ce sont vos oignons. To Sissy Caffrey. Some trouble is on here. What, what, is, what is it precisely? Dolly Gray, from her balcony, waves her handkerchief, giving the sign of the heroine of Jericho. Rahab, cook, son. Goodbye. Safe home to Dolly. Dream of the girl you left behind, and she will dream of you. The soldiers turn their swimming eyes. Bloom, elbowing through the crowd, plucks Stephen's sleeve vigorously. Come now, Professor. That carman is waiting. Stephen turns. Eh? He disengages himself. Why, why should I not speak to him or to any human being who walks upright upon this oblate orange? He points his finger. I'm not afraid of what I can talk to if I see his eye. Retaining the perpendicular. He staggers a pace back. Bloom, propping him. Retain your own. Stephen laughs emptily. My centre of gravity is displaced. I've forgotten the trick. Let us sit down somewhere and discuss. Struggle for life is the law of existence, but modern philarenists, notably the Tsar and the King of England, have invented arbitration. He taps his brow. But in here it is. I must kill the priest and the king. Biddy the clap. Did you hear what the professor said? He's a professor out of the college. Cunty Kate. I did. I heard that. Biddy the clap. He expresses himself with much marked refinement of phraseology. Cunty Kate. Indeed, yes. And at the same time, with such apposite trenchancy. Private Carr pulls himself free and comes forward. What's that you're saying about my king? Edward VII appears in an archway. He wears a white jersey on which is an image of the Sacred Heart stitched with the insignia of garter and thistle, golden fleece, elephant of Denmark, Skinner's and Proben's horse, Lincoln's Inn venture, and ancient and honorable artillery company of Massachusetts. He sucks a red jujube. He is robed as a grand elect perfect and sublime mason with trowel and apron marked made in Germany. In his left hand he holds a plasterer's bucket on which is printed Défense du Rhiné. A roar of welcome greets him. Edward VII, slowly, solemnly, but indistinctly. Peace, perfect peace, for identification bucket in my hand. Cheerio, boys. He turns to his subjects. We have come here to witness a clean, straight fight, and we heartily wish both men the best of good luck. Mahak Makar al-Bak. He shakes hands with Private Carr, Private Compton, Stephen Bloom, and Lynch. General applause. Edward VII lifts the bucket graciously in acknowledgement. Private Carr to Stephen. Say it again. Stephen, nervous, friendly, pulls himself up. I understand your point of view, though I have no king myself for, for the moment. This is the age of patent medicine. A discussion is difficult down here, but this is the point. You die for your country, suppose. Ah, he places his arm on Private Carr's sleeve. Not that I wish it for you, but I say, let my country die for me. Up to the present, it has done so. I don't want it to die damn death. Long live life. Edward VII. Levitates over heaps of slain in the garb, and with the halo of joking Jesus, a white jujube in its phosphorescent face. My methods are new, no cause in surprise. To make the blind see, I throw dust in their eyes. Kings and unicorns! He falls back a pace. Come somewhere and we'll... What was that girl saying? Uh, hey, Harry. Give him a kick in the knackers. Stick one into Jerry. Bloom, the privates, softly. He doesn't know what he's saying. Taking a little more than is good for him. Absinthe. The green-eyed monster. I know him. 
He's a gentleman, a poet. It's all right. Stephen nods, smiling and laughing. <laughs> gentleman, patriot, scholar, and judge of impostors. Private car. I don't give a bugger who he is. Don't Compton. give a bugger who he is. Stephen. I seem to annoy them. Green rag to a ball. Kevin Egan of Paris in black Spanish tasseled shirt and Pipa Day boys hat signs to Stephen. Kevin Egan. Hello, bonjour. Le vieille ogresse with the donjon. Patrice Egan. Peeps from behind, his rabbit face nibbling a quince leaf. Patrice. Socialiste! Don Emile, Patricio, Franz Rupert Pope Hennessy, in medieval hauberk, two wild geese volant on his helm, with noble indignation, points a mailed hand against the privates. Left those eggs to footboden, big grand porkers of Johnny Yellow's totos covered of gravy. Bloom to Stephen. Come home! You'll get into trouble! Stephen, swaying. I don't avoid it. He provokes my intelligence. Biddy the clap. One immediately observes that he is of patrician lineage. The virago. Green above the red, says he, wolf tone. The bard. The red says, good as the green and better. Up the shoulders. Up King Edward. A rough laughs. Aye, hands up to do it. The citizen, with a huge emerald muffler and shillelagh, calls. May the god above send down a dove with teeth as sharp as razors to slit the throat of the English dogs that hanged our Irish leaders. The croppy boy, the rope noose round his neck, gripes in his issuing bowels with both hands. I bear no hate to a living thing, but love my country beyond the king. Rumbled, demon barber, accompanied by two black masked assistants, advances with a gladstone bag which he opens. Ladies and gents, cleaver, purchased by Mrs. Piercy to slay Mock. Knife with which Rosal dismembered the wife of a compatriot and hid remains in a sheet in the cellar, the unfortunate female's throat being cut from ear to ear. File, containing arsenic, Retrieved from the body of Miss Barron, which sent Shudden to the gallows. He jerks the rope. The assistants leap at the victim's legs and drag him downward, grunting. The croppy boy's tongue protrudes violently. The croppy boy. He gives up the ghost. A violent erection of the hanged sends gouts of sperm spouting through his death clothes onto the cobblestones. Mrs. Bellingham, Mrs. Yelbertonberry, and the Honorable Mrs. Mervyn Talboys rush forward with their handkerchiefs to sop it up. Rumbled. I'm near it myself. He undoes the noose. Rope which hanged the awful rebel. Ten shillings a time is applied to his royal highness. He plunges his head into the gaping belly of the hanged and draws out his head again, clotted with coiled and smoking entrails. <laughs> My painful duty has now been done. God save the king. Edward VII dances slowly, solemnly, rattling his bucket and sings with soft contentment. On coronation day, on coronation day, oh, won't we have a merry time, drinking whiskey, beer, and wine? Private Carr. Here, what are you saying about my king? Stephen throws up his hands. Oh, this is too monotonous. Nothing. He wants my money and my life. Though what must be his master for some brutish empire of his? Money I haven't. He searches his pockets vaguely. Gave it to someone. Who wants your bleeding money? Stephen tries to move off. Will someone tell me where I am at least likely to meet these necessary evils? Cessevoir aussi à Paris. Not that I, but by St. Patrick. The women's heads coalesce. Old gummy granny in sugarloaf hat appears seated on a toadstool. The death flower of the potato blight on her breast. Aha! I know you, Grandma. Hamlet, revenge, the old sow that eats her pharaoh. Old gummy granny rocking to and fro. Ireland, sweetheart, the king of Spain's daughter, Alana. Strangers in my house, bad manners to them. She keens with banshee woe. Achon, Achon, 
Still comes again. She wails. You met with poor old Ireland. How does she stand? Stephen. How do I stand you? The hat trick. Where's the third person of the Blessed Trinity? Sogarth Arun, the Reverend Carrion Crow. Sissy Caffrey, shrill. We'll stop them from fighting! Rough. Out men retreated. Private Carr, tucking at his belt. I'll wring the neck of any bugger says a word against my fucking king. Bloom, terrified. He said nothing. Not a word. A pure misunderstanding. The citizen. Erin Gobra! Major Tweedy and the citizen exhibit to each other medals, decorations, trophies of war, wounds. Both salute with fierce hostility. Private Compton. Go at Harry. Do him on the eye. He's a prober! Stephen. Did I? When? Bloom to the Redcoats. We fought for you in South Africa. Irish missile troops. Isn't that history? Royal Dublin Fusiliers. Honoured by our monarch. The Navi staggering past. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. Oh, make the quarter crawl war. Oh, boh. Cast halberd years in armour thrust forward a pentis of gutted spear points. Major Tweedy, moustached like Turco the Terrible, in bearskin cap with hackle plume and accoutrements, with epaulette, gilt chevrons and sabre tash, his breast bright with medals, toes the line. He gives the pilgrim warrior sign of the Knights Templars. Major Tweedy growls gruffly. Rocks drift! Up guards and at them! Mahal shalal hash bars. Pirate car. I'll do him in. Private Compton waves the crowd back. Fair play, yeah. Make a bleeding butcher shop of the bugger. Mast bands blare Gary Owen and God Save the King. Sissy Caffrey. They're going to fight. For me. Cunty Kate. The brave and the fair. Biddy the clap. Methinks yon sable knight will joust it with the best. Cunty Kate, blushing deeply. Nay, madam. The ghoul's doublet and Mary St. George for me. Stephen. The harlots cry from street to street shall weave old Ireland's winding sheet. Private Carr, loosening his belt, shouts. I'll wring the neck of any fucking bastard said a word against my bleeding fucking king. Bloom shakes Sissy Caffrey's shoulders. Speak, you. Are you struck dumb? You are the link between nations and generations. Speak, woman, sacred life giver. Sissy Caffrey, alarmed, seizes Private Carr's sleeves. Ain't I with you? Ain't I your girl? Sissy's your girl! She cries. Police! Stephen ecstatically to Sissy Caffrey. Wipe thy fambles, rent thy gan, and thy quarrens dainty in. Voices. Police! Distant voices. Dublin's burning, Dublin's burning. On fire, on fire. Brimstone fires spring up. Dense clouds roll past. Heavy Gatling guns boom. Pandemonium. Troops deploy. Gallop of hooves. Artillery. Horse commands, bells clang, backers shout, drunkards bawl, whores screech, foghorns hoot, cries of valor, shrieks of dying, pikes clash on cuirasses, thieves rob the slain, birds of prey winging from the sea, rising from marshlands, swooping from eyries, hovers screaming, gannets, cormorants, vultures, goshawks, climbing woodcocks, peregrines, merlins, black grouse, sea eagles, gulls, albatrosses, barnacle geese. The midnight sun is darkened. The earth trembles. The dead of Dublin, from Prospect and Mount Jerome in white sheepskin overcoats and black goatfell cloaks, arise and appear to many. A chasm opens with a noiseless yawn. Tom Rushford, winner in athlete singlet and breeches, arrives at the head of the National Hurdle Handicap and leaps into the void. He is followed by a race of runners and leapers. In wild attitudes, they spring from the brink. Their bodies plunge. Factory lasses with fancy clothes toss red-hot Yorkshire bar bombs. Society ladies lift their skirts above their heads to protect themselves. Laughing witches in red cutty sarks ride through the air on broomsticks. Quaker Leicester plasters blisters. It rains dragon's teeth. 
Armed heroes spring up from furrows. They exchange in amity the passive knights of the Red Cross and fight duels with cavalry sabers. Wolftone against Henry Gratton. Smith O'Brien against Daniel O'Connell. Michael David against Isaac Butt. Justin McCarthy against Parnell. Arthur Griffith against John Redmond. John O'Leary against Lero Johnny. Lord Edward Fitzgerald against Lord Gerald Fitzedward. The O'Donoghue of the Glens against the Glens of the Donoghue. On an eminence, the center of the earth, rises the field altar of St. Barbara. Black candles rise from its gospel and epistle horns. From the high barbicans of the tower, two shafts of light fall on the smoke-palled altar stone. On the altar stone, Mrs. Mina Purfoy, goddess of unreason, lies naked, fettered, a chalice resting on her swollen belly. Father Malachi O'Flynn, in a long petticoat and reverse chasuble, his two left feet back to the front, celebrates camp mass. The Reverend Mr. Hugh C. Haynes Love, M.A., in a plain cassock and mortarboard, his head and collar back to the front, holds over the celebrant's head an open umbrella. Father Malachi O'Flynn. In Troy, Brad, The Reverend Mr. Haynes Love. Who the devil which hath made glad my young days? Father Malachi O'Flynn takes from the chalice and elevates a blood-dripping host. Corpus meum. The Reverend Mr. Haynes Love raises hairy behind the celebrant's petticoats, revealing his grey, bare, hairy buttocks between which a carrot is stuck. My body. The voice of all the damned. Etengir, tenopopinmo, dog, dror, etrof, ayulela. From on high, the voice of Adonai calls. Dog! The voice of all the blessed. Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. From on high, the voice of Adonai calls. God! In strident discord, peasants and townsmen of orange and green factions sing, kick the Pope, and dearly, dearly sing to Mary. Private car with ferocious articulation. I'll do him in, so we fucking Christ. I'll wring the bastard fuckers bleeding blasted fucking windpipe. Old gummy granny thrusts a dagger towards Stephen's hand. Remove him, Akushla. At 8.35 a.m. you'll be in heaven and Ireland will be free. She prays. Oh, good God, take him. Bloom runs to Lynch. Can't you get him away? Lynch. He likes dialectic, the universal language. Kitty? To Bloom. Get him away, you. He won't listen to me. He drags Kitty away. Stephen points. Exit, Judas. Et lequio se suspended. Bloom runs to Stephen. Come along with me now before worse happens. Here's your stick. Stephen. Stick? No. Reason. This feast of pure reason. Sissy Caffrey, pulling private car. Come on, you're boozed. He insulted me, but I forgive him. Shouting in his ear. I forgive him for insulting me. Bloom over Stephen's shoulder. Yes, go. You see he's incapable. Private car breaks loose. I'll insult him. He rushes towards Stephen, fists outstretched, and strikes him in the face. Stephen totters, collapses, falls, stunned. He lies prone, his face to the sky, his hat rolling to the wall. Bloom follows and picks it up. Major Tweedy, loudly. Colour bucket! Cease fire! Salute! The retriever, barking furiously. <laughs> the crowd. Let him up! Don't strike him when he's down! Okay. Who? The soldier hit him! He's a professor! Is he hurt him? Don't manhandle him! He's fainted! The retriever, nosing on the fringe of the crowd, barks noisily. <laughs> a hag. What call had the red cake to strike the gentleman, and he under the influence? Let them go and fight the Boas. The bard. Listen to who's talking. Hasn't a soldier a right to go with his girl? He gave him the coward's blow. They grab at each other's hair, claw at each other and spit. The retriever barking. Woo! 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 Bloom shoves them back loudly. Get back! 
Stand back! Private Compton tucking his comrade. Uh, bang off, Harry, there's the cops! Two rain caped watch, tall, stand in the group. First watch. What's wrong here? Private Compton. We were with this lady, and he insulted us and assaulted my chum. The retriever barks. Who owns the bleeding tyke? Sissy Caffrey, with expectation. Is he bleeding? A man rising from his knees. No, gone off. He'll come to, all right. Bloom glances sharply at the man. Leave him to me. I can easily... Second watch. Who are you? Do you know him? Private Carr lurches toward the watch. He insulted my lady friend. Bloom angrily. You hit him with that provocation. I'm a witness. Constable, take his regimental number. Second watch. I don't want your instructions in the discharge of my duty. Private Compton pulling his comrade. You bugger off, Harry. Or Bennett will have you in the locker. Private Carr, staggering as he's pulled away. God fuck old Bennett, he's a white-ass bugger. I don't give a shit for him. First watch, taking out his notebook. What's his name? Bloom, peering over the crowd. I just see a car there. Do you give me a hand a second, Sergeant? First watch. Name and address. Corny Kelleher, weepers around his hat, a death wreath in his hand, appears among the bystanders. Bloom, quickly. Oh, the very man. He whispers. Simon Dedler, son. A bit sprung. Get those policemen to move those loafers back. Second watch. Night, Mr. Kelleher. Corny Kelleher to the watch with drawling eye. That's all right, I know him. Won a bit on the races. Gold cup. Throw away. He laughs. Twenty to one. Do you follow me? First watch, turn to the crowd. Eh, what are you all gaping at? Move on out of that. The crowd disperses slowly, muttering down the lane. Corny Kelleher. Leave it to me, Sergeant. That'll be all right. He laughs, shaking his head. We were often as bad ourselves, aye, or worse. What? Eh, what? First watch, laughs. laughs. I suppose so. Corny Kelleher nudges a second watch. Come and wipe your name off the slate. He lilts, wagging his head. With materialing, 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 materialing. Hey, why? Do you follow me? Second watch, genially. I sure we were too. Corny Kelleher, winking. Boys will be boys. Have a car around there. Second watch. All right, Mr. Kelleher. Good night. Corny Kelleher. I'll see to that. Bloom shakes hands with both of the watch in turn. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. He mumbles confidentially. We don't want any scandal, you understand. Father is a well-known, highly respected citizen. Just eating wild oats, you understand. First watch. Oh, I understand, sir. Second watch. It's all right, sir. First watch. It was only in case of corporal injuries I'd have to report it at the station. Bloom nods rapidly. Naturally, quite right. Only your bounden duty. Second watch. It's our duty. Corny Kelleher. Good night, men. The watch, saluting together. Night, night gentlemen. gentlemen. They move off with slow, heavy tread. Bloom. Blows. Providential you came on the scene. You have a car? Corny Kelleher laughs, putting his thumb over his right shoulder to the car brought up against the scaffolding. Two commercials that were standing fizz and jammets, like princes, eh? One of them lost two quid on the race, drowned his grief and were on for a go with the Jolly Girls, so I landed them up on Bean's car and down to Nighttown. Bloom. I was just going home by Gardner Street when I happened to... <laughs> Corny Kelleher laughs. Sure, they wanted me to join in with the knots. No, by God, says I. Not for old stages like myself and yourself. He laughs again and leers with lacklustre eye. Well, thanks be to God we have it in the house. What, hey, do you follow me? Hey, hey, hey. Bloom tries to laugh. <laughs> yes, matter of fact, I was just visiting an old friend of mine there. Virag, you don't know him. Poor fellow, he's laid up for the past week. We had a liquor together, and I was just making my way home. The horse neighs. Oh, home. Corny Kelleher. Sure, it was Ben. I'll drive you there. They told me after we left the two commercials in Mrs. Cohen's, I told him to pull up and go off to sea. He laughs. Sober hearse driver's a speciality. Well, I'll give him a lift home. Where's he hang out? Somewhere in Cabra, what? Bloom. No, in Sandy Cove, I believe, from what he left dropped. Stephen, prone, breathes to the stars. Corny Kelleher, a squint, draws at the horse. Bloom. In gloom, looms down. Corny Kelleher scratches his nape. Sandy Cove! He bends down and calls to Stephen. Eh? He calls again. Eh? He's covered with shavings, anyhow. 
Take care, they didn't lift anything off him. No, no, no. I have his money and his hat here and stick. Corny colour. Ah, well, he'll get over it. No bones broken. Well, I'll shove it on. He laughs. Have a rendezvous in the morning. Burying the dead. Safe home. The horse neighs. Oh. Bloom. Good night. I'm just waiting to take him along in a few. Corny Kelleher returns to the outside car and mounts it. The horse harness jingles. Corny Kelleher from the car, standing. Night. Bloom. Nice. The Jarvie chucks the reins and raises his whip encouragingly. The car and horse back slowly, awkwardly, and turn. Corny Kelleher on the side seat sways his head to and fro in sign of mirth at Bloom's plight. The Jarvie joins in the mute pantomimic merriment, nodding from the farther seat. Bloom shakes his head in mute mirthful reply. With thumb and palm, Corny Kelleher reassures that the two Bobbies will allow the sleep to continue for what else is to be done. With a slow nod, Bloom conveys his gratitude, as that is exactly what Stephen needs. The car jingles Touraloom, round the corner of the Touraloom lane. Corny Kelleher again reassurelooms with his hand. Bloom with his hand assurelooms Corny Kelleher that he is reassurelumte. The tinkling hooves and jingling harness grow fainter with their Touraloolululule. Bloom, holding in his hand Stephen's hat festooned with shavings and ash plant, stands irresolute. Then he bends to him and shakes him by the shoulder. Eh? Ho? There's no answer. He bends again. Mr. Dedalus. There's no answer. The name, if you call. Somnambulist. He bends again and, hesitating, brings his mouth near the face of the prostrate form. Stephen. There is no answer. He calls again. Stephen. Stephen groans. Uh, who? Black Panther Vampire. He sighs and stretches himself, then murmurs thickly with prolonged vowels. Who? Drive, Fergus, now, and pierce Wood's woven shade? He turns on his left side, sighing, doubling himself together. Poetry, well-educated, pity. He bends again and undoes the buttons of Stephen's waistcoat. To breathe. He brushes the wood shavings from Stephen's clothes with light hands and fingers. One pound seven, not hurt anyhow. He listens. What? Stephen murmurs. Shadows, the woods, white breast, dim. He stretches out his arms, sighs again, and curls his body. Bloom, holding his hat and ash plant, stands erect. A dog barks in the distance. Bloom tightens and loosens his grip on the ash plant. He looks down on Stephen's face and form. Bloom communes with the night. Face reminds me of his poor mother in the shady wood, the deep white breast. Ferguson, I think I caught. A girl, some girl. The best thing could happen to him. He murmurs. Swear that I will always hail, ever conceal, never reveal, any part or parts, art or arts. He murmurs. In the rough sands of the sea, a cable toes length from the shore, where the tide ebbs, flows. Silent, thoughtful, alert, he stands on guard, his fingers at his lips, in the attitude of secret master. Against the dark wall, a figure appears, slowly. A fairy boy of eleven, 
a changeling, kidnapped, dressed in an eaten suit with glass shoes and a little bronze helmet, holding a book in his hand. He reads from right to left inaudibly, smiling, kissing the page. Bloom, wonderstruck, calls inaudibly. Rudy! Rudy gazes unseeing into Bloom's eyes and goes on reading, kissing, smiling. He has a delicate mauve face. On his suit, he has diamond and ruby buttons. In his free left hand, he holds a slim ivory cane with a violet bow knot. A white lambkin peeps out of his waistcoat pocket. Scene.